morning. Yes. Well, if you're going to praise God, you might as well praise him. You know, don't clap for you. Come on. If you're going to praise God, praise him. He is worthy. Father, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Good morning, PT. Good morning, good morning, good morning. As is our tradition, we're going to start with uh, the question for the week, Sunday, December 6th, for children that are 17 years and under. And the question of the week is this. What was the title of Jeff Bernson's uh, sermon last week? What was the main scripture passage? Uh, you can send your answers to families at PT, spies.org. And whoever gets it in there first is going to get a Dunkin' Donut gift card from Bishop. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want to first of all start by thanking Bishop and Lady Cameron for this privilege of a lifetime. It will interest you to know that this is my first time ever in my entire life preaching at a Sunday service. That's the truth ever. So when Bishop sent me a text uh, that this was going to be happening, because recently even at Midnight Prayer, God has been telling us I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? And I've been one of the people shouting that, and I had no idea what I was talking about. And this, this is not one, I didn't see this one coming. I mean, when he told me this, I, I did sweat in places I didn't think were humanly possible. I'm sorry, that may sound a bit graphic, but I'm telling you the truth. I didn't think human beings could sweat there. And it's, um, but I thank God for his grace. Hallelujah. And the covering we have in the house. Praise the Lord. He's taking us from glory to glory. We're coming into a season. We're in a season where God is looking for people he's going to use and do strange things. Things that are not normal. Things that are not normal. Things that are going to shake the city of Cambridge. They're going to shake the state of Massachusetts. They're going to shake the times and seasons that we're in. So this morning, we're going to be talking from a topic I titled, Above and Beyond the Call. Above and Beyond the Call. We're going to get ready to go above and beyond the normal. Whatever you've seen as normal up till now, I have news for you. It's not coming back. If you're waiting for the normal, then you, 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 you got to get in the stream of what God is doing. We got to get ready to go above and beyond the normal. We're going to go above and beyond the assigned and above and beyond the expected. Above and beyond the normal. Above and beyond what's been assigned to you. What you already know is your assignment. He's calling us even deeper. Whatever you've done up to this point, we thank God for you, but it's time to come on up. He's saying, come feeder, come nearer, come on, come on. You've been on this mountain too long. It is time for a new thing. And you're going to go beyond the expected. The expectations of the righteous cannot be cut off. But you got to have expectations, right? So that you at least know a threshold from where you're going to start measuring. So we're going to go above and beyond the expected. Amen. And we're going to consider four areas this morning. Number one is above and beyond your call towards God. You didn't know you had a calling towards God? 
above and beyond your call towards God. We're going to do two scriptures readings very quickly. Number one, the first one is Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And in the morning, a great while before the day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. There he prayed. It's talking about Jesus. The second scripture we're going to read is Isaiah chapter 38 verse 18. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go into the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. Let's talk about the first one. It says Jesus himself modeled what we should do. Jesus himself would always go away in a to a lonely place to commune with his father. He was the son of God. He was here on an assignment. But he still knew the importance of not neglecting his call towards God. Strong relationships are not built in the public space. Successful marriages, as we call them, they're not built in a public place. Those people are together because they've spent hours in a lonely place. That's why a couple can sit in the midst of people and they can have a full conversation with their eyes and you wouldn't hear anything. Growing up, my mother, my mom had a lot of places she could talk to you before she opens her mouth. When she looks at you, and most of the times it means if you don't behave this very second, you just might join Jesus earlier than scheduled. Because you've spent time with her. You knew what she was saying when she looked at you a certain way. It comes from spending time. You can't know God's voice if you don't spend time with her. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ. What sort of bride doesn't spend time with the husband? That relationship is going to have problems. It's failing before it even kicks off. Because the power you need, the audacity you're going to need, the utterance you need, the tenacity you need for the signs, for the ages that are to come, for the times and seasons to come, they are going to be developed in a lonely place. They're not going to be developed at midnight prayer. They're not going to be developed at morning prayer. That's the places you come for reinforcement. The foundational work is done in a lonely place. You and God alone. That's the only way you'll be able to recognize his voice. In the Gospels, it, if you read the Gospels, it always says, and Jesus went away. From time to time, he would go away. From time to time, he would go away. But he always took his disciples because he was trying to teach them something. But the problem is that they kept sleeping on their knees. Child of God, are you sleeping on your knee? Stop sleeping on your knee. Because you're going to miss out on conversations with God that you would need to recall in the day of adversity. For they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Your strength doesn't come from positive confession. It comes from truly knowing God, not dropping his name like you know him. See, sometimes when we're talking with people, we want to impress them and we drop names. I know this person. You may not even have met them, but you just want to sound important. Some of us do that with God. You just drop his name like you know him. But he said, I know those that are mine. You got to get in a lonely place with God. They kept sleeping on their knees. I'm going to tell you a story about, this is a story about a friend of mine. He told me this story about his wife. I just want to make that clear. Okay. So this couple, I think they worship in a church somewhere in Cambridge. And um, they are... 
really trying not to get in trouble this morning. They, so the husband and wife, the husband is black. The wife is kind of almost white, but they're both Nigerian. Yeah, stick with me. So they worship at this church somewhere in Cambridge. I don't remember the name of the church, but I think their motto goes something like restoring broken lives or something like that. So this couple, um, the husband told me that, you know, there's something about his wife. If she's anywhere close to falling asleep or she's sleeping and you tell her something to do and she opens her mouth, even though she responded in the affirmative, okay, babe, we're going to do this, I agree with you and all that. When she wakes up, you can't hold her responsible for anything, she said. You know, I mean, I'm going to look at her and say, well, but we talked, oh, no, not me, my friend. Yes, Jesus. Oh, man. Whew. You know, I said, well, we talked about this. And she's like, no, I don't recall this conversation. A lot of us are not able to recall our conversations with God because we're sleeping during an important conversation. There's something else I, would, I, I want to say about that, but... There's these two voices in my head right now. They're my aunties. One of them is named Dr. Delia. The other one is named Dr. Ruth. And I'm just hearing them say, boy, if you don't back up from that line you're towing right now, you're about to die under the anointing. So I'm going to leave that topic alone because I believe I have a bright future and I want to be around to see it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, pity shout hallelujah. Let's talk about David. Where we read in Isaiah, he says, the grave cannot praise you. If for a man to have the audacity to tell God that if you kill me, if you were to take me away, who is going to praise you? He said, those that are in the pit cannot look forward to your faithfulness. That means they can't give you an opportunity to shine. God, they can't give you an opportunity to show off. The kind of confidence you would have to tell God that if you take me out of this earth, you're going to miss me. That is what that scripture is saying. If you take me away from here, who's going to praise you like I do? That is why I worship God the way I do. That is why I praise him the way I do. Because some, if I get close to death and he looks at me and says, no, I can't take him yet. I don't have anybody that can take his place. Because I belong to the generation that the Bible talks about when it says that the expectations of the children of the earth are waiting for the manifestation, not the explanation, not the excuses, the manifestations of the sons of God. This is the generation that is going to do a new thing. This is the generation through whom God is going to do strange things. That is the generation I represent. That is why I'm, on all, I'm unapologetic about the way I praise him, about the way I go about his business, because there's no greater God. He will stand. When I need him to stand, I need God to stand every time I sing. I need him to stand up from his throne and say, yes, I recognize this voice. How can David think about this? David, David, David was, had a PhD in annoying God. Yet, 
God called him a man after my own heart. Why? Because David knew, he knew how to woo God. Give me a minute, guys. Just a minute. He knew how to woo God. He would always shower God with love, with worship, with songs. You do know the difference between David and Adam. When Adam sinned against God, he ran away from God. But whenever David sins against God, he runs to God. Before you know it, he's crying, he's screaming. Lord, who, you know now, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is your son again, I messed up. But Lord, I have no other place to go. Even if you're going to kill me, I'm going to come to you. That is why, before you know it, he's singing. Before you know it, he's writing God poems. For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created and for that pleasure they are. And we're created. Then sings my soul. Come on, PT, worship him. My Savior God to thee. If you have the spirit of David, sing with me. How great thou art. Hey! How great thou art. Whoa! Hey! Then sings my soul, my soul. Give him praise in this house. David wasn't just a worship leader. He was a worship lever. I want to leave worship. I don't just want to be known as a worship leader. I want to be a worship lever. And that comes with intimacy. That is how come you will be able to differentiate God's voice from the voice of the stranger. He says that my sheep hears my voice, and the voice of the stranger they will not hear. So when the devil tells you you're going to die, he says you're not going to make it, says your children are lost forever, you'll be able to stop and say, wait, wait a minute, who is, who is speaking? That's a strange voice. I don't recognize this voice. This is not my father, because my Bible tells me that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He says that me and the children God have given me, we are for signs and wonders. He says I am the head and not the tail. I shall, I, shall, I shall not die. I shall live and declare the goodness of the Lord. If you're with me this morning, pity, I need you to shout hallelujah. Number two, we have to get ready to go above and beyond the call towards the church. 
the body of Christ. John chapter 21, verse 16. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? <laughs> he said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then Jesus looked at him and said, if you love me, feed my sheep. You can't love Jesus and eat alone and enjoy it. How can you be comfortable as a child of God to go from Monday to Sunday and not tell one person about the love of Christ? Especially in the midst of this pandemic, the latest ratings and, 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 and figures and data is saying that somebody dies just from coronavirus. Now, that's not the only thing that's killing people, right? Somebody is dying from coronavirus every 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds. And you are comfortably getting ready to go to heaven alone. You were saved to go to heaven alone. Some of us are still waiting for church to resume. So that we can come in here and be able to dance. With the same people from January to December. And you think that's Christianity? That is selfishness in Christ. A sense of urgency has got to arise in you right now about the race against time. And the devil is drawing people to hell. The Bible says that the heavens rejoice over every saint. Saint, not every soul that dies. So any soul that dies without receiving God, any soul that is not a saint that dies, brings sorrow to heaven. It is time for us to get uncomfortable. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to go above and beyond the core towards the lost. Church, we have become so comfortable. We have become, so, we have become professionals at recycling Christians. We just move from church to church. You take the same mess that drove you out of the other church and take it to another one. We just recycle Christians. Yet there's a world out there begging, looking for solutions. The Bible says, how can they hear except somebody tells them? We're in your schedule. We engage, we talk, we do a lot of things. You know, I looked up something on Google. This is Google, not Emmy. So don't come for me. I looked up something on Google. I just, the Holy Spirit told me to type this in Google, and I did. Say, type how many words human beings say in a day. So I typed it into Google, and this is what I found. Again, disclaimer, this is Google, not Emmy. Don't come for me. He says, working males average 2,000 to 3,000 words a day. Females average... That's why I said this is Google. Females average 10,000 to 20,000 words a day. Blood of Jesus. However, 
both average 500 to 700 words of actual value. Did that hit you the way it hit me? And in parentheses, he said, that, that is, words which have intent to communicate to another person an item of importance to both. So let's just, let's leave the male and female thing alone. So I'm not the one going to get in trouble with for you this morning. But let's, let's focus on the 500 to 700 words that whether you're male or female, we are averaging in a day. My question is this. How many of those words did you use to propagate the gospel? To speak life? How many of those words did you use towards God? Church, we are... God, I'm really trying not to get in trouble. But look, see, we're really good at telling each other, I, I, I have a word for you from God. We always have a word for each other from the Spirit of God. But for some reason, this same Spirit of God never prompts you to talk to an unbeliever. Yet you pass hundreds of them every day. Right? But you always have a word for your brother in Christ or your sister. And that's good. I'm, I'm nothing against that. We need that, right? That's great. But if the rate at which you have a word for me is higher than the rate at which you have a word for the lost, something is wrong with you. Let's just be honest with each other this morning. I know that hurt. Let's go to number three. We have to rise above and beyond the call towards our communities. Scripture reading, Esther chapter 9, verse 16. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies, killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But they did not lay hands on the plunder. Second scripture reading, Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for, the, for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, Jesus, I perish. In the first scripture here, the children of Israel were fighting their enemies. I believe, thank God for his direction. Thank God for the things he has told us. Thank God for his direction to God, to our leadership, especially Bishop, where he said that the word God is giving us is to strengthen those things that remain. It's not time to come back here and do the normal. Strengthen those things that remain. So my question to you this morning is, now that we're not gathering as usual, what remains of your prayer life? What's remaining of your worship life? What's remaining of your study of the word? That is what God is trying to tell us to pay attention to. What is remaining of your service to your community? Strengthen those things which remain. 
I'm going to be spending eternity with you. Don't worry about coming into my presence and being with me. That is not what I need you to focus on now. We have time for that when you come home to me. Right now, I need you to get into your communities and become strategic about what you're going to do. I strongly believe that God is calling us into a place of proactive injustice. We have we, we, pro, proactive justice, I meant. Thank God for the work we're doing in social justice, and next year we're going to be handling biblical justice. But God wants us to get into proactive justice. That, is, that means when you see that a certain number of people are always marginalized, always maltreated, that before it, goes, before it happens, you get in the way and stop it. That is what God did in this scripture. Even though these men were enemies to Israel, God said, I'm going to destroy you because I'm not going to let you destroy my children. But he also gave the armies of Israel an instruction. Do not touch the plunder. The plunder represents the properties and the resources that these men that they killed already acquired. God is a just God. He believes in justice. That is why even though he was going to kill these men, he wanted to make sure that their wives and children would still be taken care of. So he told Israel, do not touch their properties. Do not touch the resources that are going to sustain the families they're going to leave behind. That is justice. Don't touch the plunder. Is this making sense to you? Esther said, for the sake of the core, if I perish, I perish. He called, she called her fast. She was already the queen. She's exempt. She could have afforded to chill. That's the truth. Yeah, and I just came into this thing. You guys haven't even let me enjoy, enjoy these positions more. Now I come and start fighting for these people now. I have not even, you know. But she was proactive about stopping the destruction of her community. So she called a fast. Somebody that is living in affluence, that's living in the midst of plenty, left all that alone. That is sacrifice. The Bible says, let your light shine so that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He didn't ask us to shine the light to the people in your social class. He didn't ask you to shine it to your best friends. He didn't ask you to shine it to those that agree with you. For you that shows up to prayer because the person that is leading you like the person. Sometimes when you tune into service and the, person, and the person leading worship is not your preferred worship leader, you go off to fix coffee. God is watching you. Esther was proactive about it. And she did something to show. The thing that amazed me here is that when she said, she said, she told Mordecai, listen, you tell the host of Israel too to join in this fast. My brother, I've come to tell you, every time you make up your mind to answer the call, God is going to send the support you need. God is going to send the resources you need. I want to, I wish I could, if I could get a few people this morning that like Esther that would say, for the sake of the call, I'm coming out. 
Devil, you can't stop me. Nothing can stop me. If I can't run, then I'm going to crawl. If I can't crawl, watch me drag on my belly. But whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm coming out. Because I know that the host of heaven will support me. I know that the angels are on my side. God is on my side. Devil, you cannot stop me. Whether the kings invite me or not, with or without your invitation, with or without a platform. If I have to do it on the railways, I'm going to do it. If I have to do it on the train, I'm going to do it. If I have to do it on the bus, I'm going to do it. But whatever it takes, I am coming out. Esther understood that the call on her life was more important. It was more important than an invitation from a king. I can't afford to sit here and wait for your invitation. People are going to die. Generations unborn are going to die. For the sake of the call, if I perish, I perish. You may be enjoying your home now. You may be enjoying your little space. You're safe. And things are happening in your community and you're not paying attention. You don't want to volunteer. You don't want to do anything because it's not affecting you yet. I got news for you. It's only a matter of time. It's going to hit home. Maybe they've not stepped on the neck of someone that's your relative yet. But that one that was stepped on, he is somebody's brother. He is somebody's husband. He is somebody's cousin. And before he gets to you, you better get up and get to work in your community. It is time to run for the city council. It is time to be the principals. It is time to run for something in your town. Get up, child of God, and do something. Believe God. Those that know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. What kind of exploits are you doing? Come on, know your God and believe in the strength that comes from the knowledge of what he can do through you. In the area of justice, in the name of Jesus, we arise this morning and we come. We take our place in society. Take your place in the work field. Take your place in industries. Take your place as he's calling you, as he's creating opportunities. Walk through those doors and stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Make your life count for something more than the shoes in your closet. As Bishop will say, it is quiet in this Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. Number four, above and beyond the call towards our families. Hmm, this one is tough. Because family, family is tough. Family. Hmm. But let's look. Let's, let, let's, let's read. Luke chapter 1 verse 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you amongst women. Blessed is the child you will bear. Mary asked her, But why am I so favored? That the mother of the Lord should come to me. Elizabeth answered her in verse 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Jesus, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
Verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. When people hear your voice, what kind of reactions do their insights get? There are people you have a conversation with and you're just going to say, God, why in the world did I take this call? When am I going to learn? Every time I talk to this person, it takes me like 48 hours to get back to normal. Because they're just full of negativity. Those are the kind of Christians. Somebody will tell them, you know, I feel so down. Man, I feel so down right now. And they'll answer you, well, you know, it's understandable. There's a lot to feel down about right now. You know, you might tell them, man, I'm losing my mind. I'm just going to lose my mind. You know what they will tell you? Well, at least you still have a mind to lose. Let's talk about Joseph. You see, where I'm from, this is how the conversation between Joseph and his friends would have gone. So, you know, follow me. One of them would actually call Joseph out and say, oh boy, come. I'm Nigerian, so just bear with me. So, a whole you, like this. You're telling me that this little girl like this didn't just cheat on you. She was able to convince you that it's God's doing. You. And you think you're okay. You say you're okay. And they will tell you, oh boy, shine your eye. When a Nigerian tells you, shine your eye, what they're trying to tell you is that your, your eyes are open, but you're blind. So imagine the amount of insult, Dr. Yang, that, that Joseph had to bear just to exhibit the advent characteristic of love. And he still protected Mary against his own reputation, against his pride and ego as a man. We here, this is my generation, if we're just dating, dating or you've not even married the wife, and another guy talks to her, problem. Right, Jess? But Joseph took all that insult. For the sake of going above and beyond the call towards his family. Elizabeth is, is even a more interesting character to me. Elizabeth is what I call a midwife. See, Mary was going through enough stress to miscarry that baby. That's what we don't understand. Mary was going through enough stress to have had a miscarriage. Virgin girl confused. What is going on with me? I wake up and I'm like this. What, what is this? How do I explain this? Everywhere I go, people are raising their nose. People are, you know, people are looking, people are stalking under their breath. You know, can you imagine what she was going through? Well, my question to you this morning is, if Mary was your family member, would you be one of those that gave up on her? Would you be one of those that took her, that, 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 that would talk about her when she leaves the room? 
Would you be one of those that will hold her up? Would you have done what Elizabeth did when she saw her and encouraged her? Who is going to go get Rahab in your family? Who is going to go get the Rahab? Uh, Bishop, you hear that? Who is going to go get the Rahab in your family? When Elizabeth saw her, saw her she said, you are favored. Here Mary was feeling like she's a failure. The devil has a tricky way of making the favor you're carrying look like failure. Just because you're in your waiting period. Just because the baby is still growing. Just because the vision is still growing. And you feel like I'm not making progress. You feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. Just because you're waiting for your married partner to show up. You feel like keeping yourself and abstaining from sex before marriage is not the norm. Of course, you feel like you're wasting your time. So he makes the favor you're carrying look like failure. But this morning we have come to declare back to the original picture that God painted. That picture of favor. That picture of upliftment. That picture of sanity. That picture of prosperity. We declare return to the original picture. To the original picture. To the original picture. We declare restoration to your families. We declare salvation. We declare lifting this morning in the name of Jesus. Back to the original picture. Because the original picture is the authentic picture. Hallelujah. Elizabeth was able to convince her that you are favored. That you are favored. And some of us may, talk, may ask, why, why are we talking about this in Christmas period? But what is Christmas without a relationship with the God? With the Jesus that was born and died for you? What are you celebrating? Christmas cannot be about the gifts, right? Or presents. What is Christmas without answering the call towards the body of Christ? Towards the lost souls. Why then was Jesus born and why did he die? What is Christmas without answering the call towards your community? What is Christmas without answering the call towards your family? We must, Christians, come on, we must remember that there are, there, there are family, there are Christmas dinner tables that will never look the same this year. Are you praying for those families? Beulah, my daughter, one of her friends, the dad died in a car accident last month, leaving four daughters, and the youngest is nine months old. Can you even begin to imagine Christmas for that family this year? So this year, before you start digging in and eating everything on your table, I need you to pause for a minute and pray for the people that have lost loved ones this year. When you answer the call, there is a reward for going above and beyond the call. Let us read. Daniel chapter 3 verse 27. This by far is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And with this I'm concluding. And the seraphs. 3 verse 27. And the seraphs, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded them. Crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair on their heads singled, singed. 
their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. God. It's one thing to see fire. It's a whole different thing when you can't smell fire on someone that's been in the fire. See, when you're coming home, from outside, if, if, if something is boiling in the kitchen, you can smell it. And you're like, oh my goodness. What is Deb's kitchen doing today? But then you may come in there and it's just onions boiling. But a few minutes ago, you could smell it, even though you couldn't see it. If you're sitting in your house, let me assume you're in the basement. If something is burning in the kitchen upstairs, you may not be able to see the fire. But the first thing, you, you start to smell it and you'll be like, something is burning, right? Because you can smell fire even if you can't see it. So when God makes a point to say that there was no smell of fire on them, he wanted to make sure that even those that were too far away to see the fire, would not say, no, we couldn't see the fire. He's about, you know, but, 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 but if you can't see it, you can smell it if they burnt. So God made sure to make mention <laughs> that there was no smell of fire on them because these three young men made up their mind against all odds, against the king's rules, that we are going to answer the call of God on our life. And this right now, I need you to get up. Lay your hands on your children. Lay your hands on anything, on yourself, and declare, concerning me and my house, there shall be no smell of fire. As we come out of 2020, there shall be no smell of fire on my finances, not on my children, not on my husband, not on my health, no smell of fire in my home, no smell of fire in my health, no smell of fire in my mind, no smell of fire in my mental health, no smell of fire in my blood pressure, no smell of fire in my blood sugar, no smell of fire, no smell of fire, no smell of fire. I need you to open your mouth, pity. Pray with me right now. Declare, lay your hands on your own self, be a priest to your own self this morning, and declare that there shall be no smell of fire on my home in the name of Jesus. As we step forward into our calling, as we go above and beyond, no smell of fire shall be found on us because wherever we show up, the king of glory, he will show up too. We might come in as three, but we're coming out as four. And the fourth person is the son of God, king of glory, king of glory. Emmanuel is his name. I am that I am. He that dwelleth in light where no man can approach. He is for me. He is my God. There shall be no smell of fire. Hallelujah. Very quickly, we want to give you an opportunity to give God your life this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I beg you, don't let your life go to waste. Just say this simple prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I know that I need you. I've tried on my own and I've failed. Today, I ask you to come into my life. Be my God. Be my Savior. I declare that from this moment on, I belong to you. I am now a child of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. We welcome you. God bless you. Thank you for saying that prayer with me as you join us right now, as we go forward as a church and the body of Christ into going above and beyond the call of God on our lives. I love you, Pity. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. 
Wow, we thank God for that word. Thank you, Brother Emmy. Above and beyond. Above and beyond. And this year, we are going out of this year with no smell of smoke on us. I want to just wave to you and let you know that on New Year's Eve, that's right, we're going to have New Year's Eve service at 11 o'clock p.m. Uh, you'll hear more about it, but we're going to go into the new year praising God for his goodness. Amen. And then, that's right, we're going to be praising God. We're going to be praying. We're going to be also lamenting. There's been some loss during uh, this year, but it's going to be a very interactive New Year's Eve service, so please put it on your calendar, 11 p.m. Also, we're going to be starting a 21-day consecration, January 3rd. We usually do it in Lent, but you know what? It's been a, it's been a challenging season, so we're going to get, we're going to start the day, start the year in a 21-day prayer, fast, and consecration. I want you to put your hands up right now. I want to bless you. If you're new to our uh, service, we close with a blessing. That's supposed to be simply a benediction. So as you put out your hands in the posture of receiving, may the Lord bless you and protect you based on Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. May the Lord look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, his success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. And again, if you want extra prayer, please join us in the prayer room, the Zoom prayer room, where somebody will pray for you one-on-one. -on -one. God bless you, and have a God-filled week.